What is up y'all? Daphne here and welcome back to Seriously What The Frick. So this one's kind of a throwback, kind of. If you guys listened to my Black Dolly episode, which was the last episode of technically season one, it was the one I did right before I took like that two month break. I mentioned this guy who I thought for sure killed the Black Dahlia and I would do an episode on him. This is that episode. I'm just gonna say this right out of the gate. This is not confirmed, but it is very highly suspected. This guy's been dead since 1999. And there's proof, um, but it either came after Homeboy died or it just, there wasn't enough evidence to go to trial when he was alive. But it's all completely alleged. This is just who we think did it. And I'll kind of get into that a little bit more later. Now that we have that out of the way, this week we are talking about George Hodel. George Hill Hodel Jr. was born October 10th, 1907 to George Hodel Sr. and Esther Hodel, and he was raised in Los Angeles. George was said to be super intelligent and highly educated. It was reported that he scored a 186 on an early IQ test, which is way higher than fucking Einstein's 160. Just a little bit of a side note, there are many sources that say Einstein's IQ range anywhere from 160 to 225. I most commonly seen 160, and I've already said it. I don't remember what episode, but I've already said it prior on this, so I'm just going to stick with 160. If you guys know for sure, like, definitely what his IQ was, let me know, because I don't want to be putting out false information out like that. But uh, George was also a musical prodigy. He played solo piano concerts all the time. I guess he graduated from South Pasadena High School at age 15, and then he went to California Institute of Technology, also known as Caltech. And he was forced to leave after a year because there was a sex scandal that involved a professor who taught at Caltech um, and his wife. I, George and her fucked. The wife, not the professor. So he actually ended up getting the professor's wife pregnant and he wanted to raise the kid with her and she was like no and this caused her marriage with the professor to end horribly which good 1928 ish george had a common law marriage with some woman named amelia i don't know her last name she that didn't come up it's just amelia which a common law marriage for y'all that don't know i didn't know it's pretty much a legal framework where a couple may be considered married without being formally registered their relation as a civil or religious marriage. It's pretty much the partners in the relationship are like, we're married, but never had a ceremony or even went to a courthouse to get, quote, legally married. By my understanding, at least, it's legal effect that doesn't need a marriage license or a ceremony. It's pretty much when two people are legally able to get married, who intend to get married and live together. As long as they hold themselves as a married couple, the whole common law of marriage is valid, pretty much. So, George is technically married to this chick named Amelia. They have a son named Duncan, and by the 1930s, he was legally married to Dorothy Anthony, who was a fashion model, and then they had a kid named Tamar. Before I move on, I'm just gonna tell you right now, George Hodel was a fucking player, okay? He was married five times, and this is including Amelia. I think he had a total of nine kids, not including the professor's wife's kid. I'm not really sure what she did with that one, but abortions weren't totally a thing. They were, I mean, they were, but they were just very illegal back then, and I'll get to that a little bit later on. But I will be mentioning a lot of chicks and children that are somehow related or in a relationship in some sort of way with George. He was a serial fucking polygamist, which is when you're married to more than one person at a time. So he had multiple wives with multiple children with each of the wives at the same time and they knew about it. I don't know why I'm explaining this like you guys don't understand polygamy, but you guys know what I mean. 
1932, George had graduated from Berkeley pre-med and then went on to medical school at the University of California in San Francisco and then received his medical degree in about 1936. After he did all of that, he became the head of the county social hygiene bureau. And by the 40s, George was already hitting like a social and like local celebrity status. And this is kind of when he started to create a liking to the darker side of surrealism. He then started to befriend the photographer Man Ray and then the film director John Huston, or Huston, something like that, who had five wives also. He did movies like The Maltese Falcon, The Treasure of Sierra Madre, The Asphalt Jungle, African Queen, The Misfits, also like The Man Who Would Be King. So all those movies are considered classics. So it's it's that guy. He became friends with these guys and they showed an interest in sadomasochism, which is giving or receiving pleasures from acts that receive or inflict pain or humiliation, usually in a sexual manner. So these guys like to party, drink, and womanize like a motherfucker. George then marries uh, Dorothy Harvey. So now George is married to two Dorothys. Dorothy Harvey just so happened to be John Houston's ex-wife. I don't know how that went down, but something probably went down. And her nickname was Dorio in order to avoid any confusion with his other wife in their inner circle. So she got a cute little nickname. George bought the Soden House, which is also known as Jaws House or Franklin's House in 1945, which is now an LA fucking historic landmark. He lived with Dorio and their kids, Michael, Stephen, and Kelvin, then Dorothy Anthony, who with their daughter Tamar, and sometimes with Amelia and their kid, who was an adult by this time that was Duncan. So as I've gotten to the 40s, this is roughly around the time that Elizabeth Short was murdered, better known as Black Dahlia, and then his secretary, Ruth Spalding. So Ruth was killed by an overdose, but George was suspected as her killer. You know, there was some financial fraud, like billing patients for tests that weren't performed. He was also performing illegal abortions but this was literally never confirmed. And then in 1949, Tamar, remember her, uh, George's first daughter? Well, she had accused him of sexually abusing and raping her, and she became pregnant at one point, and then George had to give her a back alley abortion. I don't even know what to do with that. He had to go through trial and then was acquitted in front of everyone. Two witnesses even testified and said there was abuse in the household, and there was a third who later took back her initial statement and refused to go on stand. There was like a theory that George had threatened to keep her quiet. During Tamar's testimony, everyone kind of thought that she was being contradicting and attention-seeking, which is shitty if this is all true. Which I can believe more than I don't believe it. Like, I'm not 1000% with it, but from my research, I can definitely see it happening. Also, when she went up to the stand, she somehow slipped in there that she believed that he was the Black Dahlia's killer. So, if you need a refresher on the Black Dahlia case, here you go, or you could just listen to my episode, whatever works. January 15th of 1947, the naked body of a 22-year-old Elizabeth Short was discovered in an empty lot. Her body was cut in half at the waist, her mouth was cut open ear to ear. This is one of LA's, if not LA's most mysterious case to date. Authorities interviewed hundreds and hundreds of suspects and focused roughly on 25 of them, and George Hodel was one of them. The suspicion of Hodel wasn't known to the public till years later. Like, years later. And what made George suspicious is that Elizabeth Short was definitely seen at some of his crazy parties, and they seemed together, if you catch my drift. You know, with the sexual abuse trial he just got done with, that didn't help. Known or suspected sex criminals were looked at very closely during the initial investigation. And when her face was everywhere when she was murdered, some of the people that knew George and saw her at some of George's parties were, like, a little suspicious. 
concerned and suspicious to say the least. So George's medical degree just stirred up some even more suspicion as well since the general consensus of whoever the fuck did this to Elizabeth Short had some sort of surgical skill, skills that were taught in school. A degree is what I'm getting at. Then about eight people claimed that George and Elizabeth's relationship firsthand, like they had witnessed it in 1946. And really none of this came into the light to the public till 2003, almost 50 years after her murder. This is when a specific file had came out and this file was called the George O'Dell and the Black Dahlia file. It was discovered in the archives of the LA County District Attorney's Office and it revealed that in 1950, George was the prime suspect in the Black Dahlia case and his house was bugged between February 15th and March 27th of 1950 and so much shit was revealed. And these, uh, there are transcripts of the conversations that show that George was performing illegal abortions, paying off law enforcement, and he himself reveals the probable involvement of the mysterious death of his secretary and the murder of the Black Dahlia. Granted, I didn't really look for these. I didn't think about it till right now. So I'm not sure if they're public or not. That is definitely on me. Go, f- we can figure that out together. We can do that. All I had to do was Google it, although yes, it is public. I'm going to go ahead and put the link up on the Patreon so you guys can uh, see all that shit. Quote, Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They can't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Maybe I did kill my secretary. End quote. That is just one of what the um, Bugs had caught, you know, George saying he was interviewed as a suspect in June of 1949, maybe for being the murderer um, of Louise Springer, aka the Green Twig murder. Well, I'll actually be doing an episode on it at some point. But there was no evidence to support the accusation um, until July of 19, excuse me, 2018. April of 1950, a detective had gathered just enough evidence to charge and arrest George with the murder of Elizabeth Short. But Homeboy, I think, realized he was about to get caught and dipped. George ended up getting a degree in psychiatry to counsel prisoners in Hawaii. He did that for about three years, and then he moved to the Philippines and started a new family. And they stayed there till 1990, and then he died in 1999 in San Francisco with no charges. He technically got away scot-free, but there is way more to the story. So his son, Steve, who I briefly mentioned a little while ago, he's the son of one of George's wives, Dario. I don't even remember how I said her name in the beginning, but one of the Dorothys. I think he was actually the biggest advocate for George being a fucking murderer and that he's killed just more than Elizabeth Short. So after George had died May 16th of 1999, which is oddly enough my birthday, Steve Hodell, who was a former homicide detective, so he wasn't some armed trader detective like me. He actually knew what he was talking about. But he, um, how this really even got started was he wanted to learn more about his dad, like some of his actions, or just him as a person, just didn't seem right. That is when he discovered that maybe his father was the murderer of one of the most famous unsolved cases ever. Or at least in LA. Or maybe US history. So I guess Steve had found a photo album that George had owned and had a picture of a woman who looked awfully like Elizabeth Short. In September 2006, there was an episode of Cold Case Files, and it was pretty much a general outline of Steve's book, Black Dahlia Avenger, which came out in 2003. 
In the head deputy, um, District Attorney Stephen Kay was so impressed for what Steve had found, he declared the case technically solved. There were a few people in the force that didn't agree, saying that the theory was too stringed along to, to a bunch of coincidences. And Steve had theorized that George could be could have been a whole bunch of other serial killers that were going around that time. He believed that maybe he was the Chicago lipstick killer in the late 1940s, the Manila jigsaw murderer in 1967, even the Zodiac killer. But in 2021, I don't know what year it is, in 2021, we now know that can't be possible since we believe we have caught the real killer. I will do an episode on that at some point when that kind of develops. Yeah, but Steve also believes that George would leave the Philippines, go back to the United States, commit even more murders, and then leave back to the Philippines between 1966 and 1969. There is more, and I know that was messy, and I'm trying my best to be as coherent as possible. All I can do is try my best. Actually, what Steve brought to the table, or the precinct, I guess. So what Steve had brought to the table, or the precinct, I guess, had managed to technically solve this case. It was never announced publicly that it was solved because I feel like there's barely enough evidence. There's, you know, there just, there is enough, but there isn't enough at the same time. And then homeboy's dead. And frankly, I think this case is too old and holds the name of being unsolved for so long to the point where they probably just don't care anymore. But in secrets and on files, it is declared solved. And there are specific quotes from some of LAPD's top officials. Thad Brown, the chief of detectives, said, quote, The Black Dahlia case is solved. He was a doctor that lived on Franklin Avenue in Hollywood. End quote. LASD Undersheriff James Downey said, quote, The Black Dahlia case was solved, but it will never come out. It was a doctor they all knew in Hollywood involved in abortions. End quote. District Attorney Lieutenant Frank Jemison said, quote, We all know who the Black Dahlia killers was. He was a doctor, but we didn't have enough to put him away. End quote. The DA's files have confirmed that the doctor being referred to was no other but George Hill Hodel. The LAPD chief of detectives in 2004, James McMurray, said, quote, Unless you can find some major plot holes in Hodel's investigation, go ahead and clear the Black Dahlia murder. End quote. I'm going to talk about this random girl, I think, from Indianapolis or Indiana, something like that. Um, in July of 2018, Sandy Nicholas was going through her mother's stuff, who had recently died, and she discovered a dying declaration letter written by her grandfather, W. Glenn Martin. And this was dated October 26th of 1949. And this letter was in case one of one or both of his teenage daughters might have been killed. And that would have been Margaret Ellen or Glenna Jean. And this was initialed with WGM. The three-page letter identified W. Glenn Martin as a paid LAPD police informant working for a Sergeant McCauley, but it was spelt funny like M-C-C-A-W-L-E-Y instead of Macaulay, which is M-C-A-U-L-E-Y, which is how the sergeant from the LAPD Eternals Affairs Division spelled it because it was a name. It was like his name. I think he knows how to spell it. He described his time working undercover for the LAPD detectives to help him identify and arrest some corrupt police officers. Quote, It was to try to see if any other officers could be indulged in crime. End quote. The Martin letter reproduced in the full 
chapter afterward in the Black Dolly Avenger 3. And it went on to name George Hodel on 17 separate occasions, identifying him as a personal acquaintance of Martin's and as well as Macaulay's. And George Hodel was named as the murderer of Elizabeth Short and Louis Springer. Louis? Louis Springer. And that was the other, I think, unsolved, unless it was confirmed. I didn't really look into it. I was going to save that for when I did that episode. So I think it's solved. I should probably check. I don't know why I'm so underprepared for this episode. I'm so sorry. Okay, yeah, it definitely looks like it's uh, unsolved. Sorry about that. Martin's letter claimed that both him and G.H., also known as George Hodel, he, like, that's how he signed the name in the letter, personally knew Springer, and he believed that George had also killed her. LAPD at the time was still actively investigating the Springer and the Black Dahlia murders, roughly around the same time. They were about two years apart. First, the Black Dahlia in 1947, and then in 1949 was Luis. LAPD had mentioned pretty publicly that they were probably, quote, connected. So just a little bit about what happened to Louise. She was garroted. Uh, garroted, I think that's how you say it. I'm not quite sure. I don't know how to read a lot of things, to be honest. But um, pretty much that is, it's usually a weapon that is used to strangle someone, either with a chain, rope, scarf, wire, a wire, or fishing line. Um, and included in the letter was the fact that LAPD, after being informed that George knew the victim, Louise, brought George in to be, quote, grilled about the Springer murder, end quote. The Martin letter mentioned um, and made it very clear that George was known and protected by law enforcement officers and that they, quote, let him go. Martin's instructions were that his letter was to be opened only in the case of only in the case of one of his daughters, you know, being harmed. No harm came to either of them, so the letter remained unreported and in the family's possession for 70 years until it was discovered and read by Martin's granddaughter, who was Sandy Nichols. I'm not sure if I should even bother to mention how many comparisons George had to the Zodiac Killer since in early October of 2021, we believe that we have officially caught the Zodiac. But I feel like I should to kind of just prove how shady this guy was, if I haven't already. Granted, this entire episode is just one giant conspiracy theory. But I'm going to do it anyway for time because I definitely thought this was going to be a lot longer than it's going to be. So here we go. So in 2009, Stephen Hodel's book, Steve, I don't know why I keep on calling him Stephen. Steve Hodel's book, Most Evil, Avengers Zodiac, and Further Serial Murders of Dr. George Hill Hodel was published. Which I guess Steve had a thing with the name Avenger. He must have really liked Marvel when that came out. So the Zodiac had different MOs and different signatures. Samples between the Zodiac and George Hodel were tested while a questions document expert, which is a forensic scientist thing where they would examine specific documents in a court of law. And the document expert had said these were the same person, but when the California Department of Justice conducted their own handwriting examination and came back as not 100% positive, Quote, I am unable to eliminate George Hodel as Zodiac. I would request additional samples of his lowercase writing, end quote. The uh, document examiner stated, at the time, lowercase examples of the Zodiac were just not available. But when the police would compare the Zodiac to George Hodel, they were very mixed and negative results, mostly. 
And as of 2019, there was no confirmed Zodiac DNA that was compared with George Hodel's known DNA. But that doesn't matter now since we think we caught him. It's not, not, not necessarily caught because the guy we think it was died in like 2018. So we can't necessarily prove it. Like I said, it has to be developed and I'll eventually do an episode on that. Another serial killer that Steve believed George had something to do with, um, do with, or, you know, be, I guess, was the lipstick murders, which I think I'm also doing an episode on it. So I'm going to be doing an episode on all of these, by the way. But George wasn't even a suspect until Steve came out and said, hey, my pops murdered some woman. Maybe he did this too. And according to the DA's Hodel slash Dahlia's files released in 2003 had documented that Elizabeth had actually gone to Chicago where these murders happened from 19... 45 um, to 1946, she went to go and investigate these murders. I don't know why. And George was in China at the time for the UN. That's something he did. These murders, they believed that the killer, whoever it was, was a skilled surgeon and a hemicord parectomy was performed on the first victim who was a six-year-old girl. And a hemicord parectomy, which took me way longer to practice saying that I'd care to admit, it's a radical surgery where the body below the waist is amputated below the lumbar spine. Steve's theory is that George was responsible for both murders and he found out when after he found out that Elizabeth was in Chicago. And that is why he believes that George killed Elizabeth since she was killed within two months of George's return from China. Another coincidence is that the six-year-old that I just mentioned with the I don't even know how to say it anymore. Um, that was murdered with the lipstick murders was the Susanna Deegnan. I think that's how you say her name. Um, and Elizabeth was found off a street named Deegnan. So that's cool. Oh, and then William Hirons was convicted of the lipstick murders in Chicago of 1946, but claimed he was innocent, but he confessed to it. I don't know. I'll, I'll, just, I'll get to more than that when I do the episode. In September of 2015, Stephen Hodel had published a follow-up book called Most Evil 2, and this included more allegations that linked George Hodel to the Zodiac murders and, you know, that were in San Francisco Bay Area, and how he was the original writer of the 1970 coded cipher mailed to the San Francisco Chronicle. A solution was positioned by M. Yives Person, a high school teacher from Paris, and Person thought that George Hodel used an Ogam, which is an ancient Celtic alphabet, and signed its last name, Hodel, by placing it both as a return address on the envelope and a signature on the inside, which cared to read, quote, ache to know my name, I'll clue you in, end quote. And that is actually all I have for you guys this week. Okay, so that was a lot in a short amount of time. Um, as always, I have thoughts since this is how I vent nowadays. One, I wonder how Steve felt when he found out recently who the actual Zodiac was. I believe it's not completely firmed, but it it should be. I think it is, to be honest, but we have to wait. Also, how, why, what did George do to Steve in order for him to make a little career out of him claiming and making so much money off of his father being a maiden killer? I know this episode was just me saying, oh, George did it, but, you know, here's all the information to back me up but it's not publicly publicly confirmed. Again, this is all just alleged in a giant conspiracy theory that I didn't realize was a conspiracy theory until I started researching. But with all this, besides him being a homicide detective and having some weird hate for his dad, 
you know, or maybe he just wanted justice for all the people that were murdered. I don't know. That's literally all I have. Like, I just... How did he... Like, I know he was going through his dad's stuff when he, you know, found out about Elizabeth. Or, like, a woman that just looked a lot like Elizabeth. And I guess heard stories that him and her had a relationship. Maybe. But, like... I don't know. This whole thing's weird to me. It's just literally all one giant conspiracy theory. Allegation? I don't know. I definitely believe that he probably, without a doubt, killed Elizabeth Short. I'm not so sure about the other murders. I kind of feel like Steve was just going off a little off the handle with all the other ones. Like, he probably has a lot more evidence that I could find. You know, that's it's probably stated out there on the internet that I just didn't see. Is it just some weird hate for his dad and he just kind of ran with it? Or maybe he just wants a lot of justice. I don't know. Um, go check out the Patreon, I guess. I don't really know how to do this. Um, y'all are missing out. Episodes come out a week early. All those things I post on there. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to post on the Patreon. You can actually go look at the Patreon. Um, you have, you have to pay though. Sorry. You know, but there's so much other stuff. Like there's extra content. There's extra videos. And starting next season, there will be a bonus episode once a month. They're going to be a little bit shorter than my average ones, but they're going to be great. And, you know, and then there's school last March that lasts only for that season. And I only do 15 episodes per season. So, um, get that shit. And the money that you guys use to support me goes directly back into the podcast and charities, such as the Cold Case Foundation, which is not sponsored. They literally don't even know I exist. But, you know, but I follow that you know, especially like the Facebook page and I just keep up with their shit very religiously and it just, I, oh, it's such a good foundation. Like, it's a non-profit you know, and they always post about, you know, cold cases that no one really talks about and like every day I'll see like a completely different one from like 1957. You know, I also followed the Doe Project, which they just, um, actually they've been announcing a lot of people being identified, which is awesome. That definitely helps a lot when it comes to cold cases. That helps. You know, I don't know, just these two cases alone just help so much in the true crime community. And as someone who likes true crime, I want justice for true crime. Or not true crime. I want people to, you know, they had a horrible thing happen to them. And I need, I want the people that did it to them, you know, to get fucked pretty much. Sorry, that's just how I feel about it. You know, and the, you know, same thing with my website, which again, it will work and it'll be a lot better next season, but cool merch and it goes to charity. So you're helping me out, you're helping you out, and you're helping dead people out, question mark. Um, I also have social media. There's like the Instagram and the YouTube and my email, all that seriously, what the frick. I'm gonna go. I'm just being socially awkward at this point. Um, be kind, make decent decisions, and I'll see y'all next week with a brand new episode that'll make you say seriously, what the frick? Bye, y'all.